Hello and welcome back to Beers with Buds. I'm your host, Andrew Friedman, the Cannabis Sommelier. Today I'm joined by my bud, Chef Alex Edmondson. Thanks for being here, Chef. How are you today? Thanks. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for the fantastic lunch. That sandwich was incredible. It's <laughs> really all I can taste right now. Um, why don't you just talk a little bit about yourself because that's what I love people to do. Yeah, sure. So I am uh, I'm a private chef here in Calgary. I do mostly just dinner parties. Um, it's more fine dining, I'd say. Five courses is typically what I do. Six to eight people, really intimate, so people don't go have to go downtown or uh, get a babysitter. A lot of client clients have, have kids, so they put the kids to bed, and they'll have this really intimate dinner in their own house. And uh, it's, it's really cool. It's... Um, that's crazy. How did you get into like being a private chef? Did you so you went to culinary school? Yeah, I went to state here in Calgary, awesome. and then uh, out of state, I went to Australia to do my apprenticeship. Very cool. And then from Australia, I went to Copenhagen. I did a little stage at Noma. Wow, really? You yeah, worked at Noma? I did. Yes. For everybody that doesn't know, that was like the world's number one restaurant so many years in a row. Yeah, yeah, it was very wow. interesting. <laughs> Fuck, you're way cooler than I thought. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> saw some pretty wild stuff there. I saw uh, a few chefs get punched in the face for laying a draft in i saw um like wild moose everywhere went foraging um the rangers were chasing us and <laughs> renee himself made us drop everything that we were foraging and told us to run as fast as we could because we, what we were doing was totally illegal yes it was great yeah <laughs> these are the stories you don't get to hear subscribe to beers with buds because you just got the inside info that is so cool what an epic story yeah it's cool <laughs> i wish i wish uh i wish i wish i had ever heard that story that is that is an incredible story uh so from there you came back to canada and ended up as a private chef or did you work anywhere else after noma no i yeah after i came back from noma i worked at charcut for a while awesome um i was there for like three years yeah and then i opened up market uh, okay. with the team very uh, cool and then after that i kind of went to um traveling again mm -hmm. went to uh, san francisco stodged in another place called atelier kren okay um the chef there her name was dominique kren she's the first michelin starred chef in uh, the states to receive three michelin stars she just received it not too long ago wow yeah and after that little stint got a couple tattoos down there came back up and um, worked in the restaurant industry for a couple more years. And then it was just killing me. I was working 90 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to take care of myself. I had liver failure. Um, I was in the hospital for a bit. And I became a private chef just to transition out of the industry. Amazing. Get out of that whole world of what the kitchen is. Yeah, it's it's quite toxic, actually. <laughs> I bet. I know Anthony Bourdain writes about it. One yeah, of my favorite ways in exactly. Kitchen Confidential. It's uh it's a it's a crazy hard world that uh is 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 filled with super passionate people and and people that could care less about being there and are just trying to make a paycheck. Yeah. And that balance is is incredible, especially you as like a Michelin star trained chef. Like that's so cool. I don't know many uh Calgary chefs that have worked in in restaurants of that caliber before now it all makes sense to me why your plating is so precise unique and beautiful um if you don't follow chef on instagram tell everybody your instagram right now my instagram handle is just my name so it's alex edmondson edmondson spelled e-d-m-o-n-s-o-n yeah and it's beautiful the plates he puts out are just 
incredible. And now it's uh, all starting to make a lot more sense to me because I haven't gotten all that background. So that, that, that's fantastic. So you ended up in the private chef world. How many years has that been with, with uh, being a private chef? It'll be three years in February, actually. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so maybe on an entrepreneurial level, how was the first year compared to this year? <laughs> well, as with any entrepreneurial uh, venture, it, the first year was really rough. First nine months, I had two clients the whole first nine months wow they must have paid a huge amount no, just yeah. kidding <laughs> luckily i had a, a bit saved and uh, i had to move back in with my parents unfortunately no but, that's okay you know, gary vaynerchuk is pitching that hard move back in with your parents build yeah. your business you gotta do what you gotta do and um luckily i'm not living with my parents anymore i'm, I'm able to sustain and own my own place and uh yeah awesome. this this year's pretty good we had 30 percent more income than last year or revenue i should say wow uh, things are good. That's awesome yeah. to hear that the business is building. And what is the, where's the main point of success? Do you, do you use social media for advertising or how are you actually acclimating, uh, your customer base right now? That's a good question. I would say it's probably 80% word of mouth. Okay. Wow. And then I have a pretty good Instagram following and I'd probably say 10% of that's from Instagram. Okay. Which is fantastic. Cause that's, that's a great ROI from yeah. Instagram. Pretty you know, good. You got an awesome like twenty five thousand followers. That's pretty cool yeah, for a thanks. <laughs> kid from Calgary. <laughs> that 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 makes me super excited. So when you cook for people, um, how many people are you usually cooking for? Is it, it will you do any size party? Is it more so just a couple or a, a you know a, a double date hosted at somebody's house or what's the yeah, usual atmosphere? I don't do couples very often. I will do them, but mm -hmm. I have a minimum charge just because uh, right. it's I, it's the same amount of work to prep for two people as it for six. Totally. So the average I'd say is probably six to eight, uh, a couple of tens and twelves here and there. The biggest one I've ever done is twenty plated. Awesome. Um, but if it's finger foods or canapes, I can do up to a hundred. Wow! Awesome! 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 So we're definitely gonna have to do canapes at one of these huge cannabis parties that I'm thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. we all all we gotta do is find a venue and uh, and we're set. That's the hardest part. That is the hardest part. I go I go other places and there's there are these huge cities. Vancouver, Chicago, LA, and there's so much uh, infrastructure that isn't here. There's so many places that are literally just an open building with a kitchen right. in it. And it's like, oh, yeah, somebody did this years ago, but this is absolutely perfect for a pop-up party. I wish there was just more of that here in Calgary. So I think we have to take you traveling with me at some point. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because you're, uh, you're doing some cool stuff. And uh, maybe tell me a little bit more about your liver thing, because I feel feel bad. I opened some wine. We are doing beers with buds. And yeah, I don't drink that much. But I was like, ah, it's really low alcohol Riesling. So just just have a, have, have a taste. But um, cannabis consumption must have been a much bigger part of your world after finding out that drinking couldn't really be a big part. And I know both have been always interlinked laced in kitchen culture totally very yeah. deeply like i don't know a chef who doesn't consume cannabis or well at least once a year <laughs> um so yeah maybe tell me about that yeah so after i got um my liver failure just working so much just complete body meltdown basically i was in the out of the hospital and well actually let me let me tell you about my first edibles experience yeah, and that please. will kind of uh give you the backstory for this so uh, a few buddies of mine had um their brother make some cookies. Mm -hmm. um, first time I'd ever even had a, a cannabis cookie or anything like that. How old were you? I was 23. Had you ever smoked cannabis before it? This I tried it once. Okay. Um, once or twice. And I, I kind of enjoyed it. was mm -hmm. still pretty unfamiliar with it though. 
and the, the edibles really appealed to me because I didn't have to smoke it, didn't have to affect my lungs or any way. Mm-hmm. And so we're eating it, and then my buddies are like, "Do you want to smoke a bowl while we're waiting for it to kick in? Because it takes about an hour, hour and a half to kick in." Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And then each each bowl, we're putting keef on top. Okay. And then, so we're we're getting like pretty buzzed off these bowls, and then come back in. There's nothing to eat. Then we see these cookies, and we're like, "Oh." Yeah, we'll have another cookie, and we kind of just rinsed and repeat that. Um, we ended up having seven cookies. Awesome, unknown dose. Yeah. Um, and edibles, if you don't know, are extremely psychedelic at a high dose. Uh, almost like um, I'd, I compare them to magic mushrooms, I guess. Totally. I had. I'll tell you about my first psychedelic experience with edibles I had last week. But keep going. And yeah, I started seeing things in like. Ex- like extreme vivid colors, things were moving. Well, and your liver isn't functioning at full and everything's being processed through there as well. Exactly, yeah. And I look at the clock and while this is happening, it only been about five minutes after <laughs> eating the seventh cookie because the first one, first two probably were kicking in at this point. Yeah. And I'm standing over a heated vent and I could feel the, the energy of the vent like making my body kind of rock back and forth. Awesome. It was a wild experience, and I was eating a piece of pizza, and I would eat a bite, and I would chew, I'd chew it for what felt like 10 minutes, look away, <laughs> realize I still had pizza in my hand, and freak out, oh my god, <laughs> I still have pizza in my hand, and I start eating it, and it was just like, it was a very positive experience, and yep. then I got to the point where the paranoia set in, okay. started thinking my, my throat was closing, because okay. I burned it from smoking, and... I told myself, kept telling myself, no one's ever died from weed. No one's ever died from weed. And then I went to bed, woke up the next morning, and I felt amazing. The best I'd felt in years. Yes, I love it. I was just chatting with my buddy Dave, and Curtis Culver does a song, Moving On Up, and the second line is, bite your lip and take the trip. Right, yeah. And I think that applies to, to everything, business, life, cannabis. Uh, that's that's incredible. You knew that there was nothing that was going to go wrong, and you felt woke up feeling renewed. And maybe that sense of paranoia gave you a, a different relaxation in your everyday life when you weren't totally having a psychedelic experience it on made cannabis. Me, it made me really grateful to just be sober again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate I, I, that. Like, wow, I'm alive. This is great. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of people get with a mega dose of LSD or, or mushrooms as right, well. It's sure like it's similar. you go th- through such an intense moment of stress, panic, anxiety, and then you quickly realized that it's all okay and there's absolutely nothing going wrong and my everyday life is pretty awesome because it doesn't feel like this constantly and maybe that's one of the parts that people don't understand about having a psychedelic experience is that um it, it 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 comes with other other feelings but that renewed energy afterwards is uh is is pretty amazing it was it was like waking up to almost a new life um, which is crazy. I never thought cannabis could even do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to get my medical card because this. I just feel so good. And then I started doing re- more research, and I mm-hmm. came across CBD, um, which I started taking for my liver for the for the inflammation. Mm-hmm. And it really helped. It it awesome. was amazing. I started having less stomach pains. My brain fog went away. All these things that are related to inflammation. And uh, I can't speak highly enough of, about it still to this day three years later what kind of dose of cbd are you taking i take about 35 milligrams per day okay yeah. um before you leave i want to give you like 250 okay cool because the only time i've ever so science science i'm doing air quotes for everybody that can't see me um says that it's 10 to 15 milligrams per kilogram of body weight for cbd to be medicinally effective really so i would love to see 
just as an experiment because it's not going to be a psychoactive experience um if it, if you feel even better i'd be down to try yeah yeah because I, I i drank a thousand milligrams of cbd once i was like oh cbd is a hoax and then i did a thousand milligrams of this papa and barclays which is a very high-end one in california i got on a plane and i had never felt so good in my life it was uh really enjoy cbd it's and i think at this point it's an accumulation because i take it every day right now it's in your system yeah and i think that's why i can take such a low dose over so many years now right because it's been three years of constantly it and you're not taking a micro dose it's 30 milligrams that's a good that's a good size dose um where are you are you you're purchasing that through the lp or you get it somewhere else yeah so i actually get through hydropothecary okay i use their decarbed cbd so i'm eating the whole plant okay yeah wonderful have you ever considered growing your own um do you have a space that you could do that probably couldn't um i just don't know how the smell would be with with my house technology is great now you can get (laughs) self-contained grow units you could have your four plants that you don't even need your medicinal license for and right you would never notice it unless you opened the opened the the chest well i love growing vegetables so i'm sure i would enjoy growing cannabis totally and you know what's cool about those units um they're like self-sustaining hydroponic units basically and you can just plug nutrients into the side but you can totally use the technology to grow any kind of vegetable in there that you wanted to because all of this stuff should be should work for everything um yeah so you could grow lemons or an or, or bonsai orange tree beside your cannabis oh, wow. if you wanted to that's very cool in this unit and now they have uh they're filled with cameras and you know all the nutrient cycles and you have uh readers that are right in the uh, readers um like data analysis things inside the soil okay. that are telling you exactly what's happening with the with the ph and the nitrogen levels and everything and it's so it does all the work for you basically totally you get the best product possible cool contained in a technological unit that is filtered and um you know cannabis gr- cannabis growing up in the basement really did a lot of great things. I think it's really interesting to see how cannabis technology and entrepreneurship all merge together so flawlessly. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, like Silicon Valley is adapting cannabis extremely well because it's always been part of the culture, just like kitchen culture. Right. Right. I love it. Uh, well, I think you should have your first dab ever All right. <laughs> on, uh, on, on the podcast we got two Puffco Peaks here. We're drinking a beautiful bottle of J.J. Prume Spatles Riesling 2015. And I think you should have a dab of, would you like the Darmsala Diesel or Mimosa? Mimosa sounds interesting. Okay. Mimosa is interesting. Very interesting. Let's load it up. So if you guys are unfamiliar with the Puffco Peak, it's the world's first smart rig. Um basically just a, a battery a self-contained heating unit and a temperature control with a water pipe on top of it um and it's very easy to moderate how much you consume you know what i think the best way i was going to load up two but i think i'm just going to put a good size dab in this one and let alex take the first puff and then i will finish off the rest and that'll probably be the easiest way because a lot of the time when i load people up their first dab in the puffco it'll it'll get out of hand they'll think they need to finish it and um well by no means do you need to finish it we just want to have a little puff 
So it's basically extracting the vapor. Yeah. And then you're inhaling the vapor. Vaporizing essential oils. Okay. Yeah. It's just like a sage diffuser. And there's no plant material in there. Absolutely none. But this product was made from plant material through mechanical separation. Right. Here, I'm going to give you that. It's going to vibrate in your hand. And when it vibrates, it's ready to go. And then uh, just sip on it pretty lightly. And that way you'll be able to moderate the amount of uh, vapor that you intake. Looks like an alien... An alien dildo. Yeah. <laughs> go go watch my Puffco Peak review on YouTube if you haven't checked it out already. You know, it's probably good. It's your first dab. We don't want to get you. We'll see how it is. It's everything. Start low and go slow, right? And then we we everything in moderation. <coughs> if you if but if you hadn't got really messed up on those cookies, I guess you never would have known what uh what was gonna be like. Yeah, it'll get you. It's a kick in the pants. <coughs> I have a I have a dab, and I try and uh, I try and relate it to, uh, you know, maybe about having a having a joint like the one the amount of oil I put in there was probably a joint. You didn't have a whole joint. Like I'm gonna I keep, hope not. I'm gonna keep <laughs> sipping on this for a bit. Um, how much was your medicinal license that you got? Is that something you feel comfortable sharing? Like how many grams did the doctor give you per day? <clears throat> Sorry, if you need a sec to to relax, I can just keep talking. No. Okay, I'm <clears throat> oh, good. Um, I started off with one gram, and then uh, when I decided I wanted to start making edibles, mm -hmm. I asked them to up it up, mm -hmm. and they thought it was a great idea, and they actually did a couple cooking classes with them. Oh, really? Because they knew I was a chef. Where was this? Natural Health Harvest Service? Medicine. At Harvest? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. And then I actually got sponsored by Hydropothecary to do them. What? They're That's giving, awesome. Yeah, they were giving me this super dark purple bud that was like almost black. Incredible. And um, now I have, yeah, now I have three grams. Which is way too much, but <laughs> I have eight grams a day. Eight grams. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it's good to have the options though, because I'm now with. I split it between three different companies. <laughs> right. Who are you with? Hydropothecary. Hydropothecary, Canna Farms, and Spectrum. What do you think about Canna Farms? Um, sh they, do they still charge for shipping? Fifteen bucks, no matter what. Yes. See, that's BS. I signed up with them. And if Canna Farms, if you're listening, get rid of your shipping costs. If I spend 150 bucks on cannabis, I don't want to pay $15. I know what the cost of production of cannabis is, and you're ripping me off. Yeah, I've only ordered from them once, and I haven't ordered from them since for that exact reason. Is that interesting? I literally looked. I had a big cart full. Uh, I was going to buy like quite a bit. I think I was going to buy my whole month's prescription. There was like a few. There's almost like a thousand bucks or a bit more than a thousand bucks in my cart. And I was like, you're going to charge me 15 bucks for shipping if I'm going to spend yeah, this crazy. much money. Um, and Spectrum, uh, I, what do you, th what do you think of them? I have, I've heard mixed reviews. Um, their oils are pretty good. They have a really good CBD oil. And, um, I, I kind of like for a medical perspective, they have everything color coded. So like green, blue, yellow, red, um, I think those are the only colors and the, the red colors I think are the really high THC, um, greens are like one to ones, blues are two to ones and yellow is pure CBD. So it's kind of a nice, um, medical way of, of categorizing them. But the only thing I don't like is that they have proprietary strains like their own. So I don't know mm -hmm. what I'm buying. It's just like red number one. Yeah, that's could be anything. and that's BS because red number one is probably super silver haze that they bastardized yeah. with something else, and they're just like, oh yeah, I. It's funny you mentioned that because I hate the proprietary yeah me too strain name super annoying. I understand it as a geneticist or whatever 
you want to call it, a, a breeder, a cannabis breeder, um, wanting to create your own brand identity. Um, but showing homage to where that cannabis came from, I think is also super important. I have way too many samples on the channel that's like made up name in brackets, another made up name. Right. Why isn't, why can't it be a made up name? And then in those brackets, the two pieces of cannabis lineage that this actually came from. And without that standardized, um, information, I think the consumer will forever be lost. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I want to be familiar with cannabis. And if I go to the wine store, I can buy 500 different Merlots. Why is it that there might be 10 samples of super silver haze in the cannabis retail store today, but half of them are called red number one or right. block 402 or Saturday. Well, Saturday afternoon, or the Saturday guys do put the cannabis name inside the brackets. But have you seen that one that's called spinach? Uh, yes. Like, eat your spinach i saw their instagram thing like a few days ago yeah that i that one was interesting because it doesn't say what what it is uh it, it literally it just says uh spinach this is the strain eat your eat your greens that's interesting that's it or there's um dog walker right that's from escape walk dog walker or walk the dog or walk the dog that's what it is yeah 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 that's from escape i had a really bad thing from escape right here actually maybe i'll let you smell it while you're sitting sure. in my office but i put in a complaint well actually i complained on instagram and they were nice enough to reach out which is interesting but i told them i had tried to walk the dog and it did not smell as terrible but that is just uh oh yeah i've never smelled like that before i know it there's something very wrong with it, it smells like dirt yeah barnyard i said it yeah, like fish food yeah it smells, it smells like hay in a barn so if you actually want to smell here's another one of the exact same fault and it's all improper storage. And this one's from DNA. Wow. I've never had anything did bad from DNA yet. Yeah, this... Uh, it wasn't... So now, it's kind of... It's I, a little astringent. I opened it a month, like about a month ago. Maybe, yeah, 25 days ago. And when I first opened it, I have it on video. I'll show you the video because we're going to put it on YouTube. Okay. And I, my reaction to it is so poor. I felt so bad after watching it because i was like oh i feel like i'm really looking down on this but it was it was so off-putting it off gas like a like a very stinky barnyard wet dog aroma i could see that yeah it almost smells like bad wine you know when you get like a yeah. bad bowl of wine totally yeah totally if i took my yeah because it's dirty that the bad wine is is usually like brechomyces which is yeah that's, just, what, that's the word i was looking for yeah <laughs> yeah brett and if you guys don't know what brett tastes like in wine because it's really hard to be a wine enthusiast but brett brechomyces brett tastes like uh like band-aid a lot of the time that comes from a dirty wine environment a dirty bottle uh whatever but um yeah these both smell like brett that's too bad. I actually haven't had any quote-unquote legal weed yet. I've only oh. ordered from, from the LPs from the medical side because it's a different like process, I guess. I got one. I have one good one that I gave a pretty good rate review to that maybe we'll go have a puff of after. But I got a whole bag of really bad stuff right there that you're more right. than welcome to dig through <laughs> so that you know what's, uh, what's good and what's bad. Right. Do you ever purchase canvas from the gray market? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Um Sometimes it's flour, sometimes it's a salve, like a lotion. Oh, interesting. Um, 
Uh, I really like like pain creams for after a workout. Mm-hmm. They turn they they help my knees. Um, sometimes it's an edibles just to try it out. But the gray market edibles are so strong. Yeah, it's just like insane. One one cookie or one brownie is a hundred milligrams plus usually. So yeah, minimum or else nobody wants to buy them because it's yeah. a rip off. Right. Yeah. So but, yeah, it, they're not looking not looking for the the average consumer. Right. It's interesting that there's a huge barrier to entry having to purchase medicinal cannabis just to make these things uh, by yourself. I know that they gave you the three gram a day license, but it costs a fortune to purchase and do that research uh, on what's good and what's bad. Like totally. working in a kitchen is not an easy thing. Becoming a chef, you spend a lot of money on food uh, and eating other food. And so um, just yeah, ruining cannabis really quickly to hope that it works is... Is, is is a t- is a totally hard thing because you know i'd love to teach you how to make your own salve uh, we just need to get a more economical product it sounds like yeah yeah that's uh, uh i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have be growing my own cannabis with my license and uh, a big thing that people are talking about making salves from the root ball of the oh, cannabis plant because there's a lot of cannabinoids that are held in the in the roots um so I'm super interested to start experimenting with that. And I've never heard that. That's crazy. Yeah, new kind of new kind of uh, chat, but a lot of people get a lot of great things out of different roots. Um, the one hard thing that you need to make sure is that because they are roots, roots concentrate hard metals in soils. So if you are going to be making a salve, and you need to be very wary of how people have made their salves, um, because outdoor growing root ball salve could have a lot of bad concentrated things in it right in my opinion not to say that somebody hasn't made it correctly but i would say in my opinion just to resolve myself of any guilt right when right. i'm right i'm just kidding <laughs> interesting i i really want to try raw cannabis leaves or cannabis juicing have you ever tried that yeah it's a great antioxidant tastes god awful does it i'm well i'm sure <laughs> oh tastes awful um, I don't know how much actual medicinal benefit there is if you're not juicing like buds and sugar leaves. Right. Because a lot of people look to the fan leaves as like extra medicine where, you know, those are mostly just chlorophyll. Um, right. So you're better off eating spirulina or algae. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you want your cannabis, like, you know, turn into essential oil and just pop it in your mouth. Because that's the thing, all that cannabis and juicing, it's not activated cannabis. Um, it's just something to interact with your endocannabinoid system and right. hopefully invigorate it. But I don't think that there's really too much benefit of doing it. You're probably just wasting your time. And But again, just my opinion. Right. Juicing right. a bud might be a completely different thing. I've never wanted to waste that bud. And I don't think a lot of people are, I don't, if anybody I think lots of people do. I've heard a lot of great medicinal benefits really? about it with Crohn's. Okay. Um, it's interesting. I don't ever really talk about um, the medicinal uses of cannabis anymore because I feel like as the cannabis sommelier, I don't really have a right to tell anybody how cannabis may or may not be medicinal. I feel like my only right is just to tell people that they're going to get higher drunk. Right. <laughs> um, so this is, this is a very interesting conversation because I do the great thing about the podcast is people get to learn more about me as I talk to the guests. And I do have a lot of opinions 
and uh, anecdotal evidence around medicinal consumption of cannabis. So I really enjoy, I'm really enjoying this conversation. How was your dab? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Pretty focused, nice and relaxed. Yeah, you Don't look really good. Tension in my shoulders. Thanks. You look, you look, <laughs> you look better than than before the dab. Oh, good. <laughs> I like that. E- easier to chat. So, what's your favorite restaurant in town right now? Probably Ten Foot Henry. Yeah, the yeah. plant based. Hey. It, well, there's there's some meat in there. Yeah. It's pretty he- pretty plant heavy, but um, that's not really why I like it. It's more the the flavors are really balanced um nice and simple it's nothing they're not trying to be something they're not they uh really flavor forward vegetable focused um there's just a lot of things i like about that place the decor is awesome it's a beautiful restaurant do you cook with plant base often are you like are you like a protein chef no i i myself eat a pretty healthy diet and mm-hmm. lifestyle um so i think some of that might come across in my food like i'm not very starch heavy there's not a lot of sugars in my food uh it's more a lot of acid for seasoning more vegetables um meat will be there but it's usually very vegetable heavy as well Mm -hmm. yeah did you see health canada's new food guide no it's great (laughs) is it it's so it's so they've ditched the rainbow and now the chart is a plate okay uh half your plate should be vegetables or fruits um if you're gonna eat starch it should be whole grains and uh for protein you should be eating pro it just says protein rich things and on the plate for their example it's like eggs and beans and that's good that's uh, good to see actually other stuff and and that's only uh again a small portion of the plate um but they focus on protein not as meat but as uh protein as a whole food group which i thought was really really cool hard boiled right. stuff on there and then uh on the side, it says if you uh, if you're gonna you, if you're gonna drink something, drink water. Like that's it. Right. And I was I looked at it. The simplicity of it is genius. Half your diet should be fruit and veg. If you're gonna eat starch, it should be whole grains. Any good protein for you. It doesn't always have to be meat. Right. Drink water. Like how did it take almost fifty years for somebody to come up with this? I'm very glad they changed that because the old one was notoriously bad for just being not accurate to how you should live a healthy life and it's really interesting to see food guides from all the other countries because you compare canada's and or the canada's old one i guess now and Mm -hmm. america's to the rest of the world it is ridiculous how different it is so outdated because everybody else was especially european countries that's who i'm mainly thinking of um they're much more food conscious america um, like the fact that dairy products like was a whole grouping of stuff you should consume uh, on the old food guide, like I'm lactose intolerant, <laughs> and a lot of people are, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that—that that was a rough one for people for for mothers to expect that they need to feed their kids cheese and milk for them to be strong. Is uh... oh yeah, I, and I think as a chef, I think milk is absolutely disgusting. Oh yeah, I, if I were to sit down, you'd hand me a glass of milk right now. I I think I'd be gagging. I wouldn't be able to finish it. It is pretty gross. It is. I think it's just gnarly. <laughs> Once you realize what it is it's gross and then you realize that they bleach it yeah even grosser and then you and then if nobody ever reads the ingredient list on a milk because they just like oh it's milk there's so much sugar in milk yeah isn't there more sugar in a glass of milk than there is a beer for sure yeah yeah for sure yeah that's hilarious like and and back to what you said i i was drinking a glass of milk like with dinner every every night when i was growing up you can't leave the dinner table till you're done your milk 
Yeah, so I can drink my 23 grams of sugar <laughs> in my 250 mil glass. Like, no, it's crazy with the power that the media has over everybody's thoughts. It's um, complacency is crazy to me just how easy it is to be tricked mm. especially today um i loved seeing this this article it was like uh the the p- people that share the most fake news are are old people but they're like they were grouping old people's like 60 and over and i was like oh okay so huh. this is all most of our parents now right like the good majority of people consuming false information is our generation's parents because they they want to be um they want to be in tune, but they don't understand how much the internet has to offer. It's crazy when I talk to people about the internet um, as like a as like a thing, like like it's a real thing, and they just can't grasp that the internet is like a right. tangible, manipul- manipulative, for sale item. Right, with this limited or unlimited, I should say, access of knowledge and debauchery the internet is free the internet is a is a is a necessity of life now this is one thing that the world health organization put in like the internet is a necessity of life because that's how we get our information right um so the internet is basically free everywhere in the world like if mcdonald's is in every country in the world there's free wi-fi at that mcdonald's um so as information is is completely free or that access to information is completely free. It makes that information so much more valuable and how it's prioritized in how you interact with the internet. Right. And that, that to me terrifies me when, uh, I can't remember what bill it was, but when the internet basically was like, it's up for sale. I was, I was mortified because now it'll take much more information sourcing from 10 Google pages than, it was from the first three highlighted clicks. Right. I love Donald Trump. He was he was getting mad at Google because when you type in idiot, it comes up with pictures of him. Um, That's awesome. That's what the internet is. <laughs> and he's like, I don't understand why this is the Google you're doing this to me. How can you do this, Google? Um, and it's like, no, it's because you're search engine optimized as an idiot. Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. People from around the world literally refer to you as an idiot. And so you come up when uh, when it's typed. Maybe that was for sale. Maybe it wasn't. But I truly think it's just because he's a dumbass. Yeah. It, it, I mean, he's got his reputation that precedes him. So The government's still closed. Is it? Yeah, man. The government is... It, one third of the government's still closed oh, today. I didn't know that. And it blows my mind who's not getting paid when I hear that it's one third of the government. Like the fact that it's people working at um, air co- air traffic control towers or the secret service. I'm like, these are the fucking people that aren't getting paid. Like, huh? Yeah, that, this is madness. And I, I'm I'm actually glad we don't live in the states because <laughs> it's it's nice. It's pretty spacious and quiet up here. Oh so. yeah, it's great. I love Calgary. I go other places in the world all the time and there are these sprawling concrete jungles where you can never see a tree or like a green space and here it's like everywhere I drive, as soon as you're on the highway, it's like, oh, why is there all this open land beside me? Where was I before? Like, right. why, why was every interstate littered with housing? And it's crazy to think, well, there's 1.239 million people in Calgary right now, which is pretty cool. 
That's impressive. Yeah, I didn't, a, I didn't realize it was that much. It's a lot of people. 1.6 million people in Barcelona. I would. I just looked up these stats. That's why I know this. Okay. Um, <laughs> just a population whiz. Yeah, exactly. Greater Vancouver area is 2.4 million, but that includes like all burnaby westminster richmond yeah exactly inside vancouver it's only six hundred forty thousand. right same with portland actually okay portland's pretty small or on the smaller end i don't even in san francisco the, the actual city is about the same i don't think it has more than a million people well I, I would love to go to san francisco never been never been i would love to go and wine tour and jet off from there i have a lot of invites um yeah, I'd like to make it down there for a dinner. Definitely worth checking out, even if it's just like Napa Valley. Well, yeah, I'd like to go to Height Ashbury too, because I love the I love the Grateful Dead. Oh yeah, okay. So that 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 has a big resonance for me. I would love to I would love to just experience all that. Definitely worth checking out. That's how you were, I got my first tattoo there. No way. Um, it's an it's a knife with nasturtiums kind of spiraling around it, and it's got a quote that says, "Let food be thy medicine," also wrapping around it and uh they actually made their own ink whoa so uh that was what drew me to it and i came in and i was like um i don't have much time going back to calgary in two days can you get me in for a a tattoo and he drew this up overnight and i came back in the next day and it was uh it was way better than i was expecting did you give him the quote yep okay yeah and then uh yeah, I got, got it the next day and flew back to Calgary the day after that. So. Your first tattoo? Yeah. that's a, It hurts there. It's right on, right in the middle of your forearm all the way down onto that wrist yeah, cuff. Yeah, right on the wrist hurts the most. The wrist is a weird... Side. Yeah, it's definitely a weird feeling down there. Like, I had to spend a lot of time on, on that spot and it was like... Ugh, it just creeped me out. Yeah, yeah. Up top. Same with the elbow. Yeah, my bow is mostly rubbed off. I get kind of dry elbows, so I got to go touch it up. Oh, yeah. Not... Yeah, I'm not excited. So you got... Are those all your tattoos on the Yeah, arm? just the three on this arm, yeah. Looks rad, though. Thank you. So where'd you get the octopus tentacle, or is it a... Uh, yeah, it's octopus, yeah. Um, it's just kind of funky color, so it matches the uh, knife here, but... Um, yeah, I got the, the octopus here that kind of wraps around. It's kind of ripping out of my arm. Yeah, that looks cool. blood. And then this is kind of a homage to my dad. Okay. Um, we used to fix bikes together, like bicycles in professional mountain bike races. Okay. Um, so this is kind of like the Alberta Outback slash bc uh there's a little bike in there it's pretty hard to see but that's awesome the yeah. colors in that one look great that's actually my favorite uh tattoo oh thanks you got a little wild rose too that's awesome that's great no i love i love the colors and all of them they're super interesting do you like octopus do you eat a lot of octopus i love eating octopus they're they're very smart animals they're so cool yeah have, have you watched blue planet on yeah that? i was just watching it last night funny enough oh, mind-blowing yeah like oh how creepy the octopus is as it moves around and stuff yeah they, they're like genius and they have um rna so they can change or they can like change their dna yeah or whatever, whatever it is so they can camouflage into something that's crazy yeah that's so who did that tattoo did you get them in calgary or did you get them all over the world again uh so this was the one i got in san francisco yep. the knife and then the octopus and the landscape i got at strange world on crowchild Okay, yeah, it's an awesome shop. They do a really good job there, yeah. Any specific artists do both of them? Uh, you know what? I don't know his name. I cannot remember his name. It's been a couple yeah. years ago. And now, I bet but... people ask you that all the time. Yeah. Like, Who did you tattoo, man? It's something like... Oh, I, don't, I don't even want to why, attempt it, That's why I stuck with the same guy 
for everything because people are like who did you tell you james jacobs <laughs> nice yeah actually sometimes i forget i have a f- i i have i have other tattoos from other people and i could definitely not tell you the names of any of them like uh what about your your be thy medicine food be thy medicine do you remember the guy that did that don't remember his name but you either. remember the shop yeah it was um goldbergs i believe goldbergs <laughs> what a great jewish tattoo shop it's the oldest one in san francisco funny enough put it right on your wrist <laughs> just kidding i think it's goldbergs i apologize to anyone that uh, works there and it's not yeah goldberg, hopefully so. hopefully i hope they hear it it's fantastic my uh yeah definitely i definitely can't be buried in a jewish cemetery i have way too many tattoos yeah. <laughs> what do you want any more tattoos it's a hard question i i didn't think i'd get any more after my first one and they're addictive they are they are a little addictive i'm not gonna lie um i probably will you know what i just don't think it'll be anything off this arm so i think if i do get continue to get tattoos it'll only be on this one arm good luck yeah we'll, I started, we'll see about that i started off with like the back of my arm and then i was like i'll just get a half sleeve and i had that half sleeve for like a year and a half and then it was like no nah, we need a we need a full sleeve and i'm my, sure that happens to most people too hey everybody like now my torso is done like my front and my back and i got tons of tattoos on my legs like i was hooked and i hate needles like i'm right yeah. i am fucking terrified <laughs> Uh, even when I go into the tattoo shop, like I play it pretty cool, but I'm so scared. It, it hurts. I mean, it, it, you're just getting um, three or four. What is it? Four, three or four needles going in and out of you as fast as oh, there's a few more. Than, I can see a few more than that. Okay, like eight to ten. I think it's eight or ten at a time shading, and then uh, for lines, it's between four to ten. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's not an enjoyable experience, but after a while, you kind of your arm kind of goes numb. So. It's, Maybe the pain tolerance starts. Maybe for up. you, I think it's like the first ten minutes is where I'm really good, and then and everything after that, I'm like, God, why did I fucking do this to myself? <laughs> Maybe I'm just a bit of a masochist just from working in kitchens so long. <laughs> totally, a lot of you know, a lot of people do enjoy that tattoo, getting tattooed, feeling like they like the pain, they like the idea that they know it's gonna heal, and mm-hmm. um, there's again, it's kind of like your edibles experience. I'm not gonna die, right? And this is what a shitload of pain feels like and then you end up in this in this state of serenity where you can uh start to handle it it's one of the big things that kept pushing me to get more tattoos to be honest was uh you know the way of the samurai like understanding that your mind is more powerful than your body right and uh you know you can get a huge tattoo and you can recover from it and you can go back and keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it and your body's way stronger than you think right right well i wonder how many people have that kind of mindset though i don't think very many yeah because people seem to give up easy like there's like diets exercise how many people go to the gym january 1st thinking they're going to be super buff this year and then by march 1st how many of them are left that's why not everybody's an entrepreneur yeah exactly yeah if people weren't Oh, I talk about it. I feel like I talk about it in a rude way, but I feel like people are, and I'm, I'm, I'm the key candidate myself. I love to watch Netflix, do nothing more than anybody, but people are lazy. Totally. Yeah. And it's way easier to be lazy than it is to be accountable. But as soon as you become accountable, like great things start happening. And uh, this is uh, the theme through all my, all of my podcasts is authenticity and accountability are what make like a great person it seems somebody that i at least want to connect with is uh is authentic and accountable right and i think uh, social media has helped with that in a way 
I don't think um, social media has been the greatest tool for uh, for our society, but I think it does help with that and show show people values that they they think they should work for. Totally. But a lot of people are inauthentic. Well, it's interesting that you say that because social media can th- show authenticity and inauthenticity. So the blinds blurred really easily. Like I've, I've been thinking to myself that I should probably share my downfalls a lot more on social media than only sharing my up moments. Um, I think about it a lot that like, well, I said it, uh, Instagram is for flexing and complaining. Yeah. Totally. Um, but the people that are authentic, I seem to connect with the best. Not to say that it's like people complaining in their story about, well, no, that's what I mean. Like authentic people tend to just be complaining. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, Gary Vaynerchuk's great. I think he's the most authentic person. Yeah, he's he's really good. But it's interesting because as I say that, he he's authentic and inauthentic at the same time because he knows that he's playing a role like he it's just like mike tyson uh was one of the greatest boxers ever especially at his moment he was the greatest boxer ever because he knew people were paying for a show yeah and he was a showman and i see the same thing about uh gary vaynerchuk's authenticity it's it's very authentic in his want to help but he knows that he is still being watched and people's opinion still matters right right that that is true uh, i guess Instagram, obviously, all social media has its pros and cons, um, more being probably cons, I think, at this point. But I've, I guess, speaking from experience, it's always been a really positive thing for me because mm-hmm. I can show off my artwork and my, I don't really show too much of my personal life on there. Okay. Uh, it's mostly just some food that I did up for a, either a concept or my menu. And it's just great to share my art, whereas opposed to influencers, let's say, that are... Mm-hmm posting pictures of products um, as their only posts and say, buy this. My life's great. I'm so much better with this. I think that's super toxic too. Totally. The influencer world is interesting because it's kind of the world that I've ended up in. Um, not that I get paid to promote anything or do I say go out and buy it, but I get, but it's, 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 it's interesting that I post a lot of products and people and places and that they're like, I, uh, I was just at Lyft in Vancouver and right. I kept being pulled out of the crowd because people knew who I was. And that was really interesting. Cause if I looked at your Instagram profile and saw your beautiful plates and I was one of your 25,000 followers, I would be able to walk right past you because there's only your profile picture of you. And unless I was like the biggest creep ever and zoomed all the way in, I would never, uh, I would never know that it was, it was you. Right. And that was a, it was kind of a crazy experience. I didn't understand because people like, I don't know, I try to be authentic on Instagram as much as I can, show parts of my life. And people, uh, I guess, resonated with that because they saw me in a crowd and wanted to talk to me. And that That's bl- very cool. It blew my mind. It was so cool. And it's happened more and more. And it's like, it's freaking weird. I don't know. I don't know if anybody should deserve i like ah, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it feels great. I looked at my YouTube analytics yesterday. And uh, in the last 28 days, uh, people have watched 233 hours of me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, That's a lot. Right? It's like, holy shit. That's viable proof of concept. Like, this is what I've been aiming for. This is crazy. So, 
yeah, I'm excited to roll out even more content. Hope that you, is very cool. Yeah, hope you'll come in the kitchen with me. We can show people you yeah, authentically making some olive oil bread. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I'd love that. I'd love that because, you know, I'm not I, – I always wanted to work in kitchens. Um, yeah, I worked as a prep cook in Boston Pizza, and I washed dishes. And I've, I've been in a kitchen, but not as like a, as like a, as a chef or a, or a cook. Um, so it's really interesting for me to be around all these amazing chefs and be able to learn – from like some of the best people in the world like you know you've worked at noma so i'm really excited that i that i get to peer over your shoulder and wash your dishes uh when we end up in the kitchen yeah yeah that'd be exciting it's um it's a really great time for for food i guess so there's there's so many people like so interested in learning there's a lot of like the foodie movement basically mm-hmm. and it's you know going back to people being prep prep cooks or dishwashers they're always idolizing the chef Mm -hmm. i want to be there i want to work on the line like this is so cool i think a lot of people that work in restaurants end up becoming chefs because they're just so fascinated with what the chef does and it's it's almost like a rock star kind of life but then as they're going through this industry the most people don't make it that far because they start realizing this industry is god awful it's toxic it's super toxic and the better the food you make uh, the less you get paid and the more hours you have to work. So you're, if you're doing fine dining, like at Noma, we worked 18 hours a day. Wow. And they, like, they for sure deserve their number one spot. There's no question about it. There's so much, I've never seen an environment where there's so much hard work. Pure commitment from every single person. Yeah. Yeah. But even in, even the restaurants in Calgary, I was working 14 hours a day. Wow. Uh, and it's not even close to what Noma was. That blows my mind. And <clears throat> 14 hours a day as chef or 14 hours a day working with somebody else to try and create a vision? Um, 14, yeah, it's we're we with a team. And you got your line cooks, your prep cooks, dishwasher. You're delegating everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the, because of the size of the restaurant, it was more than 100 seats. Um, and also cook, prep, plate, um, Mental. expedite. Yeah, it's just crazy and then you send people home to meet a labor cost you have to work their shift too yeah that sounds awful like i said i say i think i've said this in every podcast too i wouldn't wish a restaurant or a dispensary on my worst enemy dispensary why is that you need 15 times the capital you need to open a restaurant really yeah and you'll make probably buying all the product or what uh it's just the loopholes playing with the government uh even actually making the sale, buying the product, totally like no part of it is efficient unless you have a lot of money in your pocket. Don't play the game right now. Like honestly, I, I tell people straight up, unless you're willing to lose five, $10 million, do not get in this game right now. Wow. Wow. Um, and that's just uh, honest, free advice. Let the people with deeper pockets than you figure it out first because right. they're already doing it. But don't, but, but again, then there's that tipping point, the TSN turning point where you can't let them monopolize everything. Right. Um, so you, so you cook with cannabis ever, um, like at home for yourself or do you ever do it for clients? Uh, we are working on, I, me and some buddies are opening up an edibles company. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be called lofty. Cool. Um, so we're kind of product developing for that right now. Um, and I've, I've been eating edibles for a while just cause I prefer not to smoke usually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll sometimes vape too, but so I'll, I've cooked a lot of things like, uh, infused guacamole, infused t- uh, tzatziki. Yeah. Nice. Um, do like a, 
a nice spice Moroccan spice chicken with like tzatziki and stuff, and it's all infused. Um, I don't cook for myself very often though with with cannabis. That those sound like great recipes. I love the idea of Moroccan spice chicken with infused tzatziki. It's giving me this amazing idea because I every day I'm talking to different chefs about their different infusions and recipes. Like I want to I want to make a cookbook so bad. Yeah. Everybody says all these different things from all over like left field, and it just like until this moment i've i've infused everything i like to say i've never thought about doing infused tzatziki oh cool <laughs> like that's crazy that's awesome i love i love that idea and i love the idea of infused sauces so lofty that's a great name are you looking to do savory sweet somewhere in the middle uh we're gonna do both uh, so right now we have a couple products developed for the sweet side still kind of picking around for savory recipes and uh, product placement for that but we kind of just want to hit a lot of uh, targets, different flavors uh, for different palettes, and um, more higher end, high craft ingredients. More, um, you want a, a sense of luxury almost. Mm-hmm. You don't. We don't want to just do this, the traditional ooey gooey brownie, as good as a brownie is. Yep. Um, it's boring at this point. People don't want that. Totally. People want something else. Totally. Um- I can't. We were talking earlier about hot sauce and the hot sauce I made. Serrano sour diesel habanero. Delicious, uh, by the way. Thank you. I can't wait to hop in the kitchen and start doing some recipe testing with you and doing some different sauces because um, I love hot sauce. When I first started making hot sauce, like I was like, why have I been wasting all my money? Well, I shouldn't say it like that because we want to sell it eventually. But <laughs> uh, but I think that's the beauty of anything. Hot sauce is a very simple thing to make if you want to give it the time and and find the right ingredients um so i'm i'm stoked to see what we can create i have a lot of ideas but it's interesting when you have somebody else sharing food cost is crazy because i'm sure you've experienced this as a chef yeah you probably want to do everything all the time but it gets expensive that's like me with drinking wine i'd love to drink cristal but my bottle's sitting in the basement still yeah exactly you can't serve truffle and foie gras with every dish and totally (laughs) i went to my neighbor's house uh we moved in here in august and uh my neighbors invite us over and uh it was it was an it was an it was an experience it was a great they were very very nice people um and it was it was great because there's a big tin of foie that like they i was like what i'm looking around you know i got an agd and then they got the spread out and there's this big tin of quebec foie and i'm like oh yeah like (laughs) you guys rock and they're like, oh, we didn't know how you'd feel about it. And then I realized that there is this whole ethical issue behind foie gras. But anyways, I just thought it was fantastic that That's they went the, the whole... I've never bought myself that big of a tin of foie gras ever. <laughs> I was crushing it. Well, uh, it just got banned in California, hey? Really? Yeah. So they, they proposed it in 2012. And then I think it was kind of just on the chopping block until january of this year mm. uh yeah it's officially banned and all the restaurants in la had to take it off their menu and it's just just for ethical reasons it's just way too uh not humane i guess well there's only so many livers and so many ducks yeah have you seen how they how they do it uh no but i'm sure like they don't just butcher the duck and split the pieces out no they so they take the duck's neck and tilt it up and put a funnel into its mouth okay and like funnel grains into its stomach okay uh and then it digests all these things and it makes the liver really fat and it grows three or four times the size uh, and that's what gives it its fattiness and the only way to get the duck to eat that much food is by force feeding it yeah that's pretty unethical 
I'm upset that I just ate so much of that foie. <laughs> but it is, it's kind of the best thing ever. Yeah, it's so good. I don't know how many people haven't had foie gras that are listening, but you should probably go buy yourself a tin before they outlaw it everywhere. It is liver, but it does not taste like liver at all. No, it is buttery, meaty heaven. I love foie gras profiteroles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate that word, profiterole. It sounds like something you'd stick up your butt. <laughs> um you know we're doing a we're doing a foie gras donut at the dinner on saturday with chef alicia cool. ross nice so that'll be delicious with like an infused cherry yeah. sauce and just uh yesterday i actually put foie gras crepes on my menu Ooh. yeah so do you have a rotating menu that you like send to your clients and they can choose from or do you uh, i do it mostly seasonally so like three or four a year okay um right now is obviously winter mm-hmm. so more heavier dishes, more starches, more, um, yeah, more heavier flavors, stronger flavors. Spring will be rolling out in probably late March. Okay. Maybe early April, depending on, uh, how much fresh vegetables we're having and the spring produce is coming out. Awesome. What's your favorite thing on your menu right now? Uh, probably the braised beef cheek. Oh, I love a good braised beef cheek. Yes. I love beef cheek for anyone who's never had beef cheek. It is like, a better 10 times better than short rib um, oh yeah so much collagen in there so when it braises it like it makes a super elegant rich viscous sauce yeah oh it's mm-hmm. just it's heavenly when it's bad though it's bad yeah oh, that's yeah. a hard thing that turns a lot of people off they don't have a, a trained three-star michelin <laughs> chef cooking it for them but damn i can't wait to try your beef cheek that sounds awesome i'm like just Oh, yeah, I can't wait till we do a dinner together because people are going to be blown away, <laughs> blown away. Um, any ways you imagine like cooking with cannabis uh, differently? Have you ever infused like different fats or anything like that? I know you said you did guacamole and tzatziki. And- yeah, so, well, the as you probably know, you can infuse it with pretty much any fat. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like sesame oil is really good. Oh yeah, interesting. Uh, you just have to make sure you add that lecithin in there, so it so it actually binds the oil. Some yeah. oils bind better, like coconut and MCT oil. MCT oil are probably the best. You just gave everybody a straight up in insider pro tip. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, you, avocado oil also has le- natural lecithin in it, so that that's a good binder. Uh, it's pretty neutral taste as well. Mm-hmm. Um, duck fat, beef tallow or beef fat, foie gras. Yeah. You do infused foie gras fat. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Lecithin also creates more bioavailability Correct, for yeah. the, the cannabis and the endocannabinoid system. So even if you're just having a, you can pick lecithin up at any uh, whole food store or whatever, or vitamin yeah. store. And there's two kinds you can usually get. There's sunflower and I believe the other one's corn. Which one would you suggest? Corn's a little bit better binding agent and the sunflower one's quite a bit darker. Okay. So if you put it into an oil, it make, it'll make, let's say if you're using like a butter, it'll make it brown. Mm, which is quite kind of a deterrent sometimes. Yeah, and, and the taste isn't great either. The corn one's more neutral. Okay, yeah, go for the corn. Yeah. Go for the corn. I believe it's corn. Pro tip. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's, everybody's writing notes. <laughs> well, that's super cool. If you could cook with one person, who would it be? Like, who, could you, who would you go staunch with if you could right now? Oh, man, that's a good question. Probably. Is there anybody hype on Instagram that you're, like, following a whole bunch? Well, oh, there's tons of people on Instagram. They're doing really dope stuff. Um, that's oh man, 
Maybe I would say either Gordon Ramsay at his prime because he's actually a phenomenal chef. Yeah, I've got to talk to a few chefs that work with Gordon Ramsay. Cool, cool. Uh, either that or I'd probably do a stage at like Eleven Madison Park in in New York. Have you watched that Seven Days Out show no. on Netflix yet? No, no, it's on my list. Oh, so you're gonna I'm... have to tell me what you think of the new Eleven Madison Park. Okay. I don't know. You don't know how you feel about it. Okay, so between you and me and absolutely everybody on the internet listening, um, I was told that, uh, who was it? Very, very prominent person. It might even be in a podcast episode now that I think about it. Um, but my, my buddy, who's a restaurant owner, told me that one of his chefs went there and uh, sent food back. He had the rubberiest lobster of his life. What? and um, Yeah, I, I've just heard some more... Bad reviews about Eleven Madison Park than good reviews, which blows my mind. That does that blows my mind. Uh, so yeah, but also you know I always remember that uh, Rouge in Calgary was on the number one or on the top fifty restaurant list. That's right. And every, uh, my experiences there have been, uh, you know, not top fifty in the world experiences. Right, right. I guess they only made it one year, but it did put them in an echelon with a lot of other people is it staunch or stage how do i say the word stage stage where's that word come from uh of france i'm guessing uh, yeah it must must be a french word must be a french word because i'm like oh, yeah i've been butchering that one for a while yeah it's okay i'm still trying i'm remember everybody should remember that like i'm a cannabis guy first and i got into wine and fine dining a few years ago because they were things i was passionate about and excited about um, and had a had a had a transition between cannabis, but I'm still I'm still learning, um, which is exciting because there's so much to learn as I'm introduced into the hospitality industry. Um, you know, like I'm going now. I'm going from the alcohol industry into hospitality and events, and it's like really it's really exciting. Um, yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Who worked with Gordon Ramsay? Tristan Bunkowski. My my chef in okay. uh, in Vancouver. Cool. Who will be doing a dinner together on uh, Valentine's Day coming up, and then we got one March sixth, the night of the Action Bronson show. Um, That's very exciting. Invited Action Bronson. I hope he shows up. <laughs> action. Show subscri- up, Action. Yeah, subscribe to the podcast. The action yeah, yeah. Bronson comments on the podcast. I'm gonna be so hyped. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that'll be that'll be it. Well, that's that's exciting. That's uh, hopefully we can Calgary, like you said, like Vancouver and Toronto are set up for these kind of events and they've got the culture and they've had it way longer than calgary yeah. has calgary's got a lot of catching up to do so it'd, it'd be yeah. cool to see that kind of stuff in calgary it's well i've got the dinner this saturday with chef alicia ross who's nominated as calgary's best chef beside your old chef Conde de souza and uh which is pretty cool to see this young food truck chef uh up beside um you know these heavy hitters um but yeah it, it it'll be hard to to prove the concept it seems um i don't know if people are ready for it which seems kind of crazy to me that i thought everybody was completely ready for it but it's using it's it's bringing the the best chefs in north america right and creating this culture because that's that's what we're really trying to do like without i've been pitching a show where i show off cannabis dining and cannabis and wine pairing and for food you know a food network audience and um a lot of the time i talk to people and they're like no this isn't a food network show and it's like well then you're not seeing the same vision I am because Mm -hmm. the only way we normalize cannabis is if we can bring the best chefs with the most knowledge, with the most credibility into that world and show people that it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not the stigmatized thing that you 
assume. Right, right. Um, yeah, so anyways, that's my mission for this year. That's great. Yeah, there is there is a huge, like, especially with edibles, because you hear so many people talking about the horror stories. Like, I, I even shared one <laughs> that didn't have... Um, like the correct dose and i was I, the paranoia came in you always hear about those people that took away too many and they're just freaking out like on on the internet there's those cops that ate the brownies and they're freaking out and they called 911 themselves and <laughs> t- saying how sl- slow time was moving and stuff so you hear about all these things so these these it's really cool to see these dinners help destroy that stigmatism of you're eating all these edibles or infused dishes and you don't have to get blasted and have that paranoia. You can have fun with edibles. Yeah, it's uh, it's bringing new customers into it. I find it very easy to bring in cannabis consumers. But how do we bring in everybody else? Right. How does it become cool and acceptable for everybody's mom to, to buy a ticket? Um. And that's what I'm trying to really trying to figure out. I was hoping after legalization, because, you know, I ran these dinners as proof of concept before mm. legalization. Um, I was hoping that after legalization, people might jump on it more. I put the events out very publicly. Um, it is seeing a lot of traffic online. There's press about it and uh, just no commitment, which I thought was really weird because I know that the Herbal Chef, I don't know if you've ever seen him, Chris Sage, him, yeah. uh, he sells out his dinners you know, in Vancouver, uh, the last one you did sold out in a day. Wow. Right. It was on Van City Buzz sold out. Wow. And I'm sure it sold out to everybody because he did it. I think he was like 350 or $500 a seat. Really? Yeah. Like, so that blows my mind because I would never at this moment, unless I was opening very fine wines, consider doing that much. And I don't think he poured wine. Wow. That is amazing. And what? how many milligrams is he serving at these dinners? Two. Two milligrams. And you know what he does? It's kind of a cop-out, too, uh, because I had a, a friend go. I think, he, I think he said he worked with them or went. I don't remember. Um, but he was just dropping tincture on top of these dishes. He'd finally plate fine dining and then drop a tincture on. Yeah, that's what I've done, actually, before. Uh, I've done cannabis dinners. Yeah. So that's, a, in my eyes, bit of a cop-out. Right. Like, I would love for you to infuse fats and be cooking with it. Well, the only reason why I've done that and we've done that is um, we, we wanted to make sure that no one had a bad experience. We wanted yep. exact dosing. The only way to exactly dose it was to do that. How much did you dose them? It ended up being 12 and a half milligrams for the dinner. Through the whole dinner? Yeah. So spread out between five courses. That's super interesting. So how do you guarantee that there's like, I'm going to do, I want to do that kind of micro dose but I don't want to have to individually dose people because I I had one experience with the nomad cook where the first thing he did was explain his story and then he po- pointed at everybody and asked, how much edibles can you handle? Wow. And I thought that was very awkward. Like for somebody to tell me like, yeah, I started this because Chris Sage sold out his dinner, so I figured I could sell out a dinner. Okay, how much edibles can you take? Right. Scale of one to five. And we're at a table with eight people I've never met before. Um so it's interesting that the tincture is just on top, but the problem with his was, you know, I wanted the highest level of infusion and it made everything taste like he'd just done THC distillate and coconut oil and it made everything taste like coconut. Right. Where as I'm talking to more and more people, like I love the idea of your infused tzatziki um, on sauces and people being, you know, we use such an extreme microdose, but then you almost let people dictate 
their experience because they can decide if they right. want to double dip or not. Um, but I don't know. I guess it's a. I guess it's a total learning curve. And what the actual uh, tipping point is for consuming a cannabis edible and what your duty of care is and how far it can go. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to be able to dose like for a large dinner have the tzatziki dosed and then just evenly do it on along each plate yeah but it's gonna be different it's gonna be so varied on each plate someone could get three milligrams someone could get half a milligram mm-hmm. so like if it was a restaurant we could do we could serve tables like a traditional restaurant mm-hmm. if it's an infused restaurant um we just divvy out the portions perfectly and plate them as we go so that's an interesting concept you don't think that, that any of your food products are evenly dosed throughout if I do it in the actual product, unless it's a like a cake yeah. or something you you measure out with a ruler or um, a scale, mm-hmm. um, you're not never going to get perfect even even doses. Even huh. if you try it, it, do even portions. Unless you use a scale. Yeah. Unless which, you use a scale. Yeah. Yeah. And but so how do you bring an edibles company to scale then? If if we're talking about a dish and single serve. How do we guarantee it in a in a brownie? I mean, I guess there's no hundred percent guarantee. Yeah. Um, it's you just have to be really careful when you're mixing in the the fat to the dish. So like uh, for a cookie, when you're whipping the butter, uh, you want to add that oil right at the beginning, uh, mix it in, and then uh, keep adding your ingredients, keep mixing it as you're going all the way to the very last ingredient, and then mix it some more. So you're saying keep you mixing it. So you're saying theoretically not to put you on the spot but you can't batch any edible and 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 then lay it out like uh you couldn't batch a, a baby killer a sauce and it would be all you wouldn't feel appropriate serving at all because you wouldn't think the dosage was correct throughout well um so like a, a pure liquid sauce would be fine okay if you were doing it exactly like capping off at a teaspoon and then dumping it on the plate okay um so you knew exactly what you're doing but okay. with like like a cookie for, for example again um you can get it pretty evenly dosed if you weigh it and weigh everything and and make sure it's mixed very very thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that scale that's super important. So you divide like the whole batch. Right. I have a buddy moving to a, to to a lab, um, so we're gonna. I think together we're gonna do a lot of testing. I think we should figure out what kind of variance is actually going on. Right. And how to make this um, not a question because this is definitely uh, as I think about what you're saying more and more. It it. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, and it makes a lot of sense why so many edibles companies. Well, it doesn't make so so much sense why they're so skewed. But like, um, you know, I've watched on Viceland like big companies making syrups, and they're making simple syrup infused with distillate, and then they're uh, candying the fruit that they use after, and they're claiming mm. that it's X amount, but it's totally not X amount of infusion, right? At all. Um, but we can, yeah, we can totally send multiple samples to labs. To figure out how much concentration of THC is in, and that's that's super important because mm-hmm. you want you want it to be consistent first mm-hmm. of all. Nobody's gonna buy brownie if it didn't do anything again, unless they absolutely love the taste. Totally. So. so what's the dose? So you take thirty milligrams of CBD. What do you think that? Do you agree with Health Canada's ten milligram dosing propos- uh, proposals? I do actually agree with it. Um, for the for the three years straight now that I've been eating edibles, I've been having consistently ten milligrams every single time, um, and that's that's lab lab tested oil, and it's a consistent perfect dose for me every time the way mm-hmm. I want to feel when I take it. If I uh, that that and that's what I really like about it, and I'm 
I think maybe because of my liver, I'm a little bit more um, tolerant to it or intolerant to it. Right. More it, susceptible. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't take like, uh, if I were to smoke a whole joint, it'd just be way too strong. So THC is a little sensitive in my body. Mm-hmm. So 10 milligrams for me has been perfect. And a lot of other people I know too. Some people can even have only have five milligrams. Wow. And see, I come out sometimes and I say five milligrams is a placebo effect. Because if you were to relate that to like a joint five milligrams is not even a puff it's like it's like you might have smelt weed right right but it's because it's metabolized through the liver i think and right it's, it's, it's not and it, everybody's endocannabinoid system is so different it's a completely different molecule when it's when it goes through your liver right and i've never chatted about the endocannabinoid system on here but are you familiar with it yeah yeah okay so yeah every cell in our body has this cb the cb1 and cb2 receptor and just the way cannabis binds through our body we evolved with this cannabis does something super special throughout every single person's body and all of our biochemistry is so different um i remember the first time i consumed cannabis and everybody else got high and i was like i don't get it and then i went and played scrabble with buddy's mom and won (laughs) and it's like okay maybe it's not the same for everybody right and uh i was lucky that i got to clue into that right at the start because it gave me an opportunity to collect the data for what ended up being now my full-time job right well it, it it's interesting if someone has this magical experience the first time they have cannabis mm-hmm. i wonder if that makes them more susceptible to getting psychologically addicted to it i bet because if you're, if you're just having like this mellow experience you're not going to be like it's not going to rush of dopamine this is like this is great but then i guess it would be a different drug if it was doing those kind of things every time yeah it's definitely like I'm sure our experiences are completely different. I consume cannabis. I consume a lot of cannabis and it gives me the opportunity to pick my thoughts, slow down this carousel of ideas. Um, and, and, you know, you consume it for inflammation and you're not doing it to get stoned, but I truly need to medicinally, uh, not that I'm becoming intoxicated, but feel that intoxicating effect for others to process my thoughts slower. Right, right. And have a better grasp on those thoughts. Cannabis does help me slow down my thoughts as well. It's like, especially with CBD uh, or a one-to-one, mm-hmm. smoke a one-to-one. If I'm, my mind is racing, I'll just, it'll make me kind of step back and, and analyze my thoughts and then get over it. And then I stop overthinking. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, that's still, I mean, medicinal aspect of it. Totally. And it's, even THC is though I can't have that much, it puts me in like a really relaxed, stress-free state. Um, but I'm also the type of person that if I were to finish that whole joint, I would be complete paranoia again. Really? Yeah. When was the last time you tried finishing the whole joint? Um, it's probably been a year or two. I always talk about set and setting. Like, would you really be paranoid? What's there to be paranoid about? I just, I, I'm, I only ask cause I don't understand those feelings. I think it's, it's every single time it's always been because I've burned my throat. Oh. And, I, and my brain is like, your throat's closing. Your throat's yeah. closing panic now. That sounds terrible. Yeah, so I have to go look in the mirror and make sure my throat actually isn't co- closed. And then I realize, oh, okay, it's not closed, and I can calm down. Then I, then I can feel the bu- feeling building up again. It's like this anxiety in my body. So I don't know. Like I, I think you do way better with essential oils and dabs. That was actually perfect, yeah. There was... I f- yeah, what, you, what you gave me earlier was, was the perfect amount, too. Yeah, I feel like we could get... Uh, you know, feel free to come over any night and we can get uh, a little messed up 
and uh, because there, it's an interesting thing, the fine line between uh, medicinal. I was talking about earlier how it's it's cannabis is my medicine, my hobby, and my social setting, and uh, and also an intoxicant when when I choose for it to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely vaporizing essential oils will keep away that fear of uh, ever burning your throat. Like we can put this down on blue, and it's only ever going to vaporize at four hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Right. It's a it's a guarantee. That's good. Well, I, I do usually use um, a vape. Which vape do you have? Uh, I have the Airizer Air. Okay. Uh, the first one, I think. They have a new one out now. But uh, it, it doesn't seem to burn my throat that much, and I have a much better experience when I vape. Totally. Uh, every time I've smoked um, more than half a gram, or not half a gram, half a joint, um, I've had paranoia. But, but with vaping, I can finish the bowl, and I'll be fine. I'll just be yeah. really high. <laughs> the future of cannabis consumption I was writing an article about this, how um, technology is going to evolve the modern cannabis consumer and how tech, the use of technology destigmatizes yeah. cannabis. Like I have this uh, little packs thing. I'm going to review it on the channel. I got it when I was out at Lyft. Okay. The thing is literally only that big. You fit a half gram or 0.8 in it. And like it runs through a, a through Bluetooth. It runs through an app so I can set it to a literal to the temperature to the degree that's awesome has all these different settings and you know a product like that really does destigmatize cannabis consumption when you show somebody that do you want a puff of this because the e-cigarette and the vape have been so normalized yeah uh, especially those big ones the big honky ones that they first started out with and now how they've sleeked and slendered down people really find it normalized and appropriate to to have a puff off of anything um so yeah so technology is going to push the end of cannabis stigma yeah i i agree actually and the like like even your dab machine is saying it looks like an, something from an alien movie it's it's not as intimidating as i think just burning plant product into your mouth uh, some people love that and getting in touch with, with nature like i think joe rogan once said that it's just, it's way too foreign for him. He loves just like the human touch of burning something. I love it. smoking. I was a two pack a day cigarette smoker. Really? Yeah. Like till five years ago. And I love smoking really? so much. That's why I still smoke cannabis. Interesting. Because I just like the act of it. Whereas I, I'm not, I hate smoking. I don't like the feeling, the smell, um, the, obviously the intoxicant effects are pretty similar mm -hmm. um but with the vape you can customize it more you can get more terpenes you can get less terpenes you a can tailored user experience yeah like, i think I, that's really appealing to people yeah the user experience is <clears throat> what i talk about a lot in cannabis and the future of cannabis every user is so different like um 40 of the colorado market is edibles and that's because not everybody wants to smoke right but if people want to smoke how can they tailor their their smoking or vaping experience to them and it's through technology mm -hmm. but if you like that it's the word carnal i'm gonna go with it uh just like uh smoking a raw product i'm thinking about elon musk hitting the blunt on joe rogan right. now um do it but it's terrible for wine pairing like if you're oh yeah I bet if you're doing anything that I preach, only use your vaporizer, uh, unless it's red wine, like you know 
Zinfandel, don't really like it. But if you're going to drink Zinfandel and, and pair it with something, smoke your cannabis because it's going to make your Zinfandel a little bit better. Hmm. Just cuts through all that sugar and tannin. and Right. That's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like you understand the idea of uh, protein string elongating the tannic structure uh, of wine. Right. For, for everybody yeah. that doesn't know, it's like the fuzzy slipper you feel in your mouth when you drink red wine. So protein makes that piece of fuzzy slipper longer so that it doesn't feel as aggressive in your mouth. Um, my thesis hypothesis is that smoke does the same thing and it's binding with that tannic structure and it's elongating it. Right. That makes sense. Cause it does feel smoother in my mouth. Right. Um, the same reason why tea and smoking a joint work or coffee and smoking a joint work is that tannic structure. That's funny you mentioned tea and smoking a joint because uh, I don't really drink alcohol at all. Right. Thanks and for having a glass with me. Yeah, no worries. Little tiny <laughs> was... one. Everybody, don't blame me. Don't throw in the comments at us. <laughs> um, it's because of my liver, not because I'm an alcoholic. But yeah. um, uh, where was I going with that? With your but... tea. You oh, yeah. Tea. Drink? Yeah. Tea and cannabis. Um, yeah, I don't drink, so I'm, I feel like if I want to be intoxicated, I kind of have to uh, do something. Um if I'm in that party state and so I'll have a, a, some cannabis and a tea and that'll be my, uh, my vice for the night and, uh, gets me in a good place. And I feel, I feel like I can, I can tolerate the people that are drunk better. <laughs> so there's a big future for cannabis beverages. Oh yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, I think like, especially CBD and coffee I found you won't be ever able to mix those two. Unfor- yeah. Unfortunately. That's true. In Canada, you can't. Yeah. I forgot about that. Caffeine and cannabis. That's no too bad no. because CBD and co- coffee is uh, like a stacked nootropic almost. It's like uh, you're getting this, uh, the benefits of caffeine without the jitteriness and it takes away the anxiety with the, with the CBD. And uh, it's a really harmonious, harmonious balance. I hate coffee. It messes me up. I was really addicted to Red Bull. I used to drink a lot of coffee, a lot of Red Bull. And it is because I was a smoker hmm. also and I didn't realize like I didn't understand my body I didn't have the right self-awareness to understand my feelings um but now when I drink coffee it completely messes me up like I can't sleep I'm jittery I have so much yeah. anxiety uh, I might even have like you know uncomfortable uh stomach issues and so yeah I'm a, I'm against coffee I started drinking water in the morning and started feeling so much more awake than I had ever with coffee, but I know it's such a religious experience for so many people, and it's totally ingrained in some religions. Totally, yeah. And I th- I'm I'm the same way. If I drink coffee, I'm super jittery, anxious. I uh, I feel almost sick. So same with my roommate. Hmm. And um, so you should tr- maybe next time if, if you ever want to try coffee again, try a dab of CBD isolate with it. Yeah. And see how it makes you feel. I can put just CBD. I can put. I'll put a few hundred milligrams of CBD in the coffee. Yeah, yeah. You could even put it right in the coffee. Just load yeah. it up. Yeah because it's very anti-anxilic or anti-anxiety and uh i I really feel like you get the benefit of the caffeine without the negative side effects that have come from whatever part of your physiology is causing that yeah totally totally i think i just i think i rocketed whatever receptors way too far and now they're just makes sense too sensitive you know quitting red bull was way harder than quitting cigarettes oh i bet (laughs) yeah and quitting pop has been even has been the hardest of everything there's sugar-free pop now though 
Yeah. Who wants to drink sugar-free pop? The, the stevia ones are actually pretty good. Find if me you can tolerate the taste. Find me sugar-free milk and I'll drink sugar-free pop. Yeah. There's the deal. And it's crazy. For everybody that hasn't looked, skim milk has way more sugar than homo milk. Uh, the more fat, yeah. the less sugar. So. I wonder what milk would taste like without the sugar. I've never had raw milk. I, I bet it's bitter and disgusting. Could be. I, you Maybe. thought you were going to gag before? I bet it's just revolting. <laughs> that sounds pretty gross. Oh. Oh. Well, I guess you're a chef. You probably have, you'll probably stumble upon uh, like straight up unpasteurized milk fat soon. And oh, yeah. You, and you should definitely have a spoonful, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. I, I'm, I know in California in particular, raw milk's a really big health food product there. Uh, but they got in huge trouble with it. They were saying that it cured like autism and um, all these like different viruses. And all these kids were going to the hospital with kidney failure because they were getting E. coli. Saw a document. It's on Netflix. Um, I think it's Rotten was the documentary. That's disgusting. Yeah. It's almost as bad as Fire Festival. Did you oh, watch that documentary no, yet? No, I heard about that. You're, you're hustling too hard. You're not watching enough Netflix. I- <laughs> it's good. Blue Planet, man. That's all, that's all I have time for. These fire festival guys straight up did a this dude Billy and Jaw Rule. Okay, it's great that it was Jaw Rule. Wow. Um, they do this festival and like the whole time they're booking this festival, they're doing it. They're lying about all the money that they're spending. They're they're taking more venture capital money, and um, at first it was supposed to be like on this Pablo Escobar island, but that wasn't allowed. So they ended up doing it on this like Grand Bahama Grand Exuma Bahama Island. Anyways. They bought like a, they, they ended up throwing it like an empty residential development and they put up straight up like uh, hurricane relief tents, like geodome hurricane relief tents. They okay. sold people like $25,000 uh, campground things like they have at Coachella. Yeah. And so, uh, so the only way to get people there, it's like a really expensive thing to go to. And the only way to get people there is to charter your own flights. So they, so they literally like build this shithole festival with no infrastructure to even support anybody there's no food there's like literally nothing and the dude's like yeah fuck it let's just start flying people in because it wow because doing it's better than not doing it and it's it was a literal disaster oh i i can't even imagine (laughs) like that watching it hurt me so much i'm watching this and i'm like oh my god it was stressing me out. I was like, if I ever got scammed, the guy's in jail for six years. No way. Yeah, Ja Rule got away with it somehow. He's still, he's still, he's still out there on Twitter because people are really harping on him now. Because a lot of people that never got paid, like a lot of everybody that built the whole festival for them with the intention of getting paid, dude, Donald Trumped him. Oh man. Like, I, and for everybody that doesn't know, Donald Trump is a fucking bad businessman. He's a good businessman because he's a bad businessman. Go watch his documentary. The dude lies, cheats, and steals his way straight to the top. The only reason he's rich is because he sued New York so they didn't have to pay taxes on his second building, just like they gave him the exemption on his first building. He built stuff in Atlantic City and literally walked away from people and put them into bankruptcy. Like, he's a he's a bad, bad dude. Um, but we all knew that somehow everybody just voted for him because crooked Hillary was there and the Russians got too deep. Even I didn't like Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it was an interesting run. It was very comedic. I donated to Bernie Sanders. Nice. Yeah, I donated to his campaign twenty dollars. Nice. I love Bernie Sanders. I think that dude should run uh every fucking country on earth. You know, 
maybe that's a bad idea <laughs> but um free education free health care um take care of each other man if i make 20 million dollars i'm really happy to give 10 million of it away so that people can go to school to hopefully make a better world nice yeah like it just it, it just seems mental to me that people need more and more and more and the people on the lower end have less and less and less the more i go to the states i realize that there's this extreme wealth gap and racial segregation is very real and those two ideas combined are, are an extremely destructive force that has kept uh kind of white people rich and people of color um struggling and right. and that that seems so fucked up to me like it, it it makes me really angry uh that that even generational wealth and all these things aren't shared why should some old slave owning family now be part of the monopoly that now enslaves as employees low income uh people right it's just the circle just keeps going around and around and if nobody ever stops to fix it and and drastically changes the system it'll just keep getting worse until there's uh another civil war right well bernie sanders is getting old now i don't know if he's gonna be able to run oh yeah he'll there's a the senator for california is gonna run she looks like an amazing woman okay she's a she's a a woman of color who's gonna run for president wow yeah she could one-up hillary real hard (laughs) real hard yeah yeah i don't really follow american politics too closely so this is all kind of. i had to take cnn off my tv i follow it way too closely i love it because i think it's so incredible that we're in this part of history where uh yeah you're never gonna see a mistake like this motherfucker again right yeah and that's that's very true you know george bush was pretty bad the second first one pretty bad too like all u.s presidents except for barack have been a little fucked up in the last kind of of all of them trump makes them all look good though yeah dudes had the government closed for a month to build a fucking wall to keep out the most industrious hard-working people i've ever met like mexicans are great people yeah yeah blows my mind you guys are come up to canada but it's crazy to think that we don't have we don't let in like crazy amounts of immigrants the propaganda around immigration into canada is so false like when when all these canadians like redneck canadians trump supporting canadians get mad that they see people who have come all the way through the united states and are like walking through the border and like last year i think there was like a few thousand of them right like there's so much space here there's so much opportunity oh yeah there's so much space in canada please come whatever you're escaping let's make it better here so that we can make it better wherever you had to leave. Cause, cause that's the only way the world gets better. And it, and it, and it, it just upsets me so much that people can't understand, uh, that we're all that people as a, at are, are migrant. Mm-hmm. Like to think that we're not nomadic is mental. If you understand the concept of Pangea, nobody comes from where they live now. So fucking leave it alone right. and just like accept and move on. Anyways, that's 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 my rant. <laughs> no, I I, th- I think I agree with you, and that's that's a good point. It's uh, it's just crazy. It is. It's it's it's, yeah. Anyway, civil war. I'm I'm pre-calling. Will happen. There'll be like some crazy revolt. 
it blows my mind that Donald Trump hasn't been assassinated and that John F. Kennedy did get assassinated. Like, let's think about the good guys. Let's think about the guy who literally smoked weed in the Oval Office. If you don't know that story. I did not know that yeah, story. Yeah, JFK had medicinal cannabis really? for his back. Pretty sure was the story. But yeah, he, he's a <laughs> cannabis consumer. And uh, yeah, that dude's dead from an ice bullet. Like, come on, if somebody could figure this out 40, 50 years ago and it's still unsolved, how has nobody wiped out the guy that has the government closed? That's a good question. I actually th- predicted that he'd be assassinated, but I was qu- quite wrong. I mean, it's, it still could happen. It's too late um, now. It's, it's 2019. It's un- it's very unlikely. Elections though, next year. Yeah. yeah. Why, why, why knock him off now? Yeah, was, he's more than halfway done. I pitched this idea a while ago and everybody's like, well, then you get Mike Pence. I was like, no, no, no. Mike Pence is scared now. They're like, well, he's going to make abortion illegal. I'm like, better than making like brown people illegal. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I, I think he's, I think, I think of Mike, I think if Donald Trump was assassinated or impeached or however he loses power, which I don't think he will, I think he'll fizzle out. Um, And I, you know, he may even try to run for president again. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think, I think he might, it's interesting because, uh, I can't remember the president. Ah, it's killing me. Anyways, one of them traded his presidency. I think it was Nixon to not go to jail. Basically like, okay, if you're not the president, you don't have to go to jail. Yeah, I think that was Nixon. Yeah. yeah but I think with Trump, they don't want to let him get away that easily. Like, I think you'd rather just be the laughing stock for another year and then right. put him in prison where he can't trade his presidency for clemency. But that idea is just mental. This is just me being a a conspiracy theorist after a glass of wine in the afternoon. Yeah. (laughs) But that would be great. Donald Jr.'s definitely going to jail. You think so? Oh, 10,000%. 10,000%. Like, that whole family, you know, I hope they... It'll be funny, though, because... Prisons are privatized. I wouldn't surprise me if Donald's already building his own prison. Like Pablo Escobar. <laughs> right? He's like, build the wall, build the wall, close the government. Meanwhile, dude's like on the phone with the Russians, building a government that's sanctioned as like a has like a Russian am- ambassadorial place. And he's like, yep, yep, I'll, uh, I'll go to jail at my jail. Mm, that's technically kind of Russia in America. I set that up. <laughs> right. Yeah, they say now, though, that uh, it's, like, basically 100%, like, Trump colluded with the Russians. He, yeah, yeah, I saw that. He committed treason. There is no other... What, so why hasn't he been, been impeached yet? This is what I don't understand. And I think that the government shutdown and all this other news is probably a distraction right. to that idea. Like, people stop talking about why hasn't he been impeached because they care a lot more about why people aren't getting paid and why their neighbors aren't getting a paycheck. And it's almost like someone's strategically releasing all these counter news articles against him. So they're not focusing on him as much. Yeah. Even though he is, uh, yeah, like again, clearly committed treason. Yeah. You know, I, and I, and, and it's interesting now that I'm thinking about this cause it's basically like the three weeks that he's, the government's been closed. I haven't been seeing as much, uh, crazy, shit about all the missing records and him paying staff to not tell anybody about his conversations with Russians. Like all that's, all that's kind of dust under the rug right now. 
Right. Interesting. Media distraction. I think we talked about the power of media in the food guide, right? You you care about what you're being shown and you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Milk's not good for you. <laughs> they did the same thing with um, the high, like the government did this. Um, no research whatsoever. They started telling people that um, fat was bad for you. Low fat diets should be all you eat. Um, really healthy. Um, they did this to promote the agriculture business because it was going under. And they created this. That was what the original food guy was based on was the, to save the agricultural industry. Hmm. And um, it's just come out in the last few years that that was all complete bullshit. That they didn't do any studies on if low fat was healthy for you or not. Um, they just they just put all the stickers on it. Got the the Heart Foundation to sponsor it. Um, and now it's coming out that fat actually may be good for you, mm-hmm. um, particular fats, and that low fat diet has caused most of the obesity in North America. Collusion at the highest level. Yeah, yeah. It's like the people in the government own the farms, and the people on the farms and the government own the exactly. authorizing agencies, and all of it work together for their personal interest. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Seems like that's kind of the way governments work. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really trust mine. Uh, I don't really trust the world government, United States, anybody. Seems like everybody has a personal interest. I was very astounded uh at the start of legalization when i made a comment to a friend about i don't remember how the conversation started and he said look how many people in the liberal government have personal interest around the board of directors of cannabis companies right yeah good point astounding it to me as i scrolled through that list it felt like 65 or 70 percent of the liberal government was personally invested or on a board of directors right and I was like, holy crap, how can like the minister of this and yada yada that be an advisor to yeah, Canopy and Tweed? <laughs> it seems like deep collusion. And mm. then you start to realize, well, I started to realize like, hmm, maybe this is why there was only so many people on day one. You know, right, monopolization right. of alcohol happened at the end of Prohibition in Canada. It happened in America, one of my favorite stories. So Teddy Roosevelt uh, tells his dad he's going to end alcohol prohibition. So his dad gets on a boat uh, and he goes to the United Kingdom and he cuts a deal with Beef Eater Gin to be the importer for Beef Eater. Oh, wow. Is it Beef Eater? Yeah, I think it's Beef Eater Hendrix. Anyways, Tanqueray, one of the one of the big, bigger ones. Um and so he goes back to America. He knows literally the date prohibition's ending because he has the inside information. And he sends an entire uh, shipping freight of, of booze that literally lands in America the day alcohol prohibition wow. ends. And it's like the best insider trading because yeah. through his son running the government, he monopolized the alcohol market. Right. Crazy. Pretty sure it's still that family just like has a distribution agency in the united states and is one of the big players yeah yeah but that's yeah i just see that i saw an exact parallel between that and uh and cannabis when i was when i was became keen to how many people in the government were were in that biz well it makes sense there's a lot of money at stake and people want to capitalize on that it's the green rush yeah yeah if you're not in it you're out of it like it's a great opportunity to 
expand your personal chef business. Like that's how we met was talking about uh, doing fine dining cannabis dinners and how we can normalize it for people. But at the end of the day, it's also an entrepreneurial venture. Mm -hmm. How do we make more money doing what we enjoy? Right. And that's by introducing another element to the dining experience. A dinner without wine only costs so much. A dinner with wine makes you a little bit more money. And once you do cannabis, it's the, it's the same deal. Yeah, exactly. Which is exciting. I'm 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 excited for the new world, the green rush, the the opportunity it's presented. There's so much opportunity, and with Edibles Market coming out in October, I think that's just gonna be huge. I I, I can't wait to see what all the products come out are. It's just it's really exciting. Have you thought? I know you've thought about the the company. Have you thought about distribution of your edible? Like, how's that gonna work? Uh, we haven't dwelled, uh, too far into that. We'll actually. talk later. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. I gotcha. Okay. Well <laughs> on that note, why don't you, uh, why don't you give some parting words for everybody listening and then, uh, let them know where they can find you too. Sure. Um, I'd, as an ending note, I'd probably say just eat your veggies. <laughs> Word. <laughs> um, vegetables I think are going to be a huge trend moving forward in the industry and, uh, you're going to see a lot more vegetable focused restaurants like 10 foot Henry, I think popping up. So look out for that. And that's kind of what my food is too. And, uh, you can find me probably on Instagram's best at Alex Evanson, E D M O N S O N. Uh, and then my website is just alexevanson.com and my company is AE chef services or Alex Evanson chef services. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, chef. Uh, yeah, I, for me. I really appreciated your time, your insight. It was great chatting with you. Um, of course. I look forward to us crushing a dinner together. Sounds great. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks again. Thanks.